You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In-state college baseball tonight between Louisiana and LSU from Alex Box Stadium. First pitch set for 6.30 pregame coming up right after us at 6 o'clock, and you can hear that on the game. Speaking of LSU, there is a very notable women's college basketball player that is in the transfer portal, and she was spotted in Baton Rouge today. We will talk about that. We will talk about the top stories in sports, and we will take a look at the Houston Astros, who picked up a big win last night over the Toronto Blue Jays. They'll be back in action again tonight in Minute Maid Park. My main man, the producer and co-host of this fine program, is Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Tuesday to you, sir. How are you? Happy Tuesday, Matt. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. There you go. So, the Boston Celtics play tonight. They do indeed. And I've just I have to point out that I'm very upset that you haven't gotten in the same routine that you were in last year. See, I felt a little more motivated because I was upset that the Brooklyn Nets said gentlemen swept the Celtics in 2020. So in 2021, I was feeling some type of way. But now at this point, I kind of have the expectation of I expect you to easily crush the Hawks and then probably have a little bit of a struggle with whoever you play in the second round. So are you going to start wearing your jersey in the second round? Uh, I'd probably wait till the conference finals if oh, they get that far. This man thinks they're going to get that far. <laughs> oh, buddy. That's cute. Uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. They probably will get that far. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Milwaukee and Miami, that's an interesting series now because with Tyler Hero breaking his hand and then Giannis having that back injury. Correct. And then also with New York and Cleveland, that's going to be an interesting matchup tonight. Yep, absolutely. Because Nick's got a crazy that's, road win. That's going to be – and that second-round matchup – right there is going to be wild. The winner of Milwaukee, Miami against the winner of Cleveland, New York. Are you kidding me? That's going to be insane. And then Boston, Atlanta, probably the Celtics against the winner of Philly and Brooklyn, probably Philly. So you're going to have a two, three matchup right there in the second round of the NBA playoffs. And the Celtics, they have a good history of Playing the Sixers. Yeah, I usually play well against the Sixers. Yeah, the very good record, but I so, do worry about this year being a little bit different. Like, Joel Embiid has just been playing on a whole nother level, so that does worry me a good bit, especially when Al Horford can be out at times, and same thing with Rob, Rob Williams. So 
that could be definitely an issue. And then just having that combo together of Embiid and Harden. So yep. that is a – and then Tyrese Maxey just popping up. Just a great that, player. That dude's been insane. So looking at some top stories in sports, we talked yesterday about Jalen Hurts' massive new five-year, $255 million contract extension with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts recently had ankle surgery earlier this offseason that was the the procedure was done to remove hardware that had been inserted in his ankle after he suffered an ankle sprain while playing for Alabama. Hertz was sidelined for nearly a month in that season. Uh, surgery to remove the hardware took place in February and was considered minor and Hertz is fully recovering from that procedure and he's expected to be a full participant in the Eagles offseason training program that begins next week. Also, looking at the NFL and players looking to return to the field, how about DeMar Hamlin, who just three months ago suffered cardiac arrest on that Monday night game against the Bengals? He announced today that he was fully cleared to return to the game of football, and he says that this is something that he wants to do for himself. He said, my heart is still in the game. I love the game. It is something that I want to prove to myself, not anybody else. I just want to show people that the fear is a choice and that you can keep going in something without having the answers and without knowing what's at the end of the tunnel. James, I, you know, you, you looked at the reactions that Buffalo gave when DeMar Hamlin was back in the stadium. Can you imagine what it's going to be like week one in September when he takes the field in uniform again? Oh, man. That's going to be an electric crowd. That's going to be insane. So awesome, awesome to hear that, that DeMar Hamlin will be able to return to the game of football again just three and a half months after suffering from cardiac arrest. I mentioned LSU in Louisiana tonight at Alex Box Stadium. We'll have a full preview of that game here from Jay Johnson and Matt Deggs throughout today's show. And Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball will join us at 4.30, give his thoughts on LSU, plus a preview of that matchup. We'll also do To the Moon Tuesday here in hour number two. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast by going to Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Looking at the NFL draft, again, just a week or so away, there is still some uncertainty as to who's going to go number one. Is it going to be Bryce Young? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud? Could you see a surprise with Anthony Richardson? Could it be Anthony Richardson? If I'm the Carolina Panthers, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. I think he's got the most upside in terms of NFL. But there's a lot of talk about Bryce Young, which is well warranted. James, if you were Carolina, which quarterback are you taking or are you not taking a quarterback? No, the way the franchise is, you pretty much have to take a quarterback. I would rather go... It's tough because I don't mind either one of C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, but I, I'd probably go with 
Stroud at the end of the day. I don't know. I, I think he just maybe has a better comp NFL wise because I know he can be. Expl- I know Bryce Young can be explosive. I'm not necessarily worried about the height and weight because I mean we've seen other players do that before. I'm not necessarily worried about that. It's pretty much a pick for me, but I think I'd rather just go with C.J. Stroud. He feels like he's a little bit more pro-ready, even though Bryce played in Alabama, and that's about as NFL as you can get in college. I have a quote here from Carolina's general manager, Scott Fitterer. Obviously, through this whole, the combine, everything else, there's been some clarity. But we've put a consensus, a conscious effort to keep an open mind about this and be continuous throughout the process. We have the last group in today. We'll have the coaches Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And at that point, we'll get together and kind of make that decision. But we've got some clarity through this process. James, that sounds to me like they don't have a clue what they're going to pick. I could be wrong. I could be totally misreading what the GM is saying. But the message that I pick up from that quote is that they aren't they they haven't made a decision yet. Yeah, because you had gotten a report saying that the GM came out and said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! We're not. We never said who we're completely sold on." Because everybody was like, "Well, Bryce Young canceled his meetings with other teams after going to Carolina, so everybody just assumed Bryce is going to the Panthers." But, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily know where they're going to go because Stroud still could very easily go number one. Bryce could go number one. You could see the crazy out of nowhere Anthony Richardson going number one overall, even though he needs a lot of work. So there is a lot of different ways they could go. I think what's best is just going with either Bryce or CJ because you need to start somebody because you don't – we saw what happened with Andy Dalton last year. Do you really want to have him start for a whole another year? I know you're not going to be very good either way, whether you start one of your rookies or start Andy, but I'd rather give them some good experience and put them in the best-case scenario with Anthony Richardson. You throwing him out there the first year, even the second year, that's going to hinder his development as a quarterback because he needs a lot of work. If you draft a quarterback number one overall, he is starting week one. Point blank. If you're Carolina, I think that they're going to take a quarterback, and I think it's going to be either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. But there's still a part of me, and I've said this for weeks now, there's a part of me that feels like they are just going to absolutely Carolina this and take Anthony Richardson. Because I think they have... Go for another Cam Newton. Yeah, Absolutely. But the issue is, like you just mentioned, it's going to be three years before he's... He should be ready to play. Right. Before he should get on the field. Can you start Andy Dalton for three years? No. No, you can't. Do you really want to go to P.J. Walker? No. (laughs) No. So you're kind of limited here. Now, if you go Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I think either one of those guys, you can start week one and they'll figure it out. Yeah, they're, they're more ready to be played week one than, but than Richardson is. Anthony Richardson's just not ready. I said it the day he declared he should have stayed at Florida for another year. He should have. Um, I don't think he's ready for the NFL, and I think that he's going to struggle 
to find his way for the first year or two at least um, in the NFL. But once again, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that more over the next nine days as we get closer and closer to the first round of the NFL draft next Thursday. We got a lot to talk about on today's Crunch Time, so stick around. We'll be back right after this timeout right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, score $15 to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. That's a $15 voucher for Pizza Artista, and you can get it for half the price at AcadianaDeals.com. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 418 here on your Tuesday. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question of the day up on Facebook and Twitter. Do you think the lack of regular season intensity has led to an increase in injuries in the playoffs in the NBA? So far, 41% say yes, 33% say no, and the other 27% say that they're not sure. James, I'm going to say yes. You know, I I think that having more, I don't want to say relaxed play, but the the NBA game has, has gotten less physical over the years with, with referees starting to call more fouls. Um, and, and I think that that's led to, to more of your star players getting hurt in the playoffs. That and you see a lot of, what would you call it, um, rest load management load load man load management with players you don't see them play as often because it's like long road trip you take them out for the fourth game or whatever so it kind of feels that way I don't know if I necessarily agree with that being the wholehearted reason why there's so many injuries I feel like it's just more of you just saw a bunch of injuries happen at once and it's not necessarily it's just more of what uh, Tyler Hero, he had broke his hand trying to die for the ball. That's not. Yeah, he was going. For that's not. Ball. That's not a reason from practices being light in Miami. That was just a freak accident because he went to go try and get the ball and didn't he land on it? I think he just landed on it weird. It's like that's not a result of light practices. But Giannis is back, and but Gian, but Giannis he jumped. That was because of a charge trying to be drawn. And he jumped up. I think he got kneed in the back because he made a weird reaction and then just fell straight on his back. That's a result of a charge trying to be drawn. That's I not. Just, that's not a result of practice. Well, it's, it's not. It's not anything having to do with practice. It's the fact that the NBA has gotten less physical over the years because the referees. You're you're not allowed to do as much as you used to be. You used to be able to bang bodies with somebody and not get called for the foul. Nowadays, you you touch a guy, and it's a foul. So the the point is is that, you know, back before they changed the rules, the more physical you got, the more used to it your body became, and the less injured you ended up. Right, and I I think that's just more of the game itself and how the game is being called and refereed. I think that's more of just in game. But that's 
that's kind of the question. The lack of regular season intensity led to more playoff injuries. Yeah. A little bit. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it goes either way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because a lot because a lot of times these injury it. these injuries just happen because you took a misstep or you put too much weight on an ankle or you ended up stepping on somebody when you were coming down on a shot or coming down on a rebound. Looking at LSU versus Louisiana tonight in college baseball, top ranked LSU Tigers against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Yesterday, both Jay Johnson and Matt Deggs met with the media as they do each and every week on Mondays. And we'll start with Jay Johnson. He talked about how his bullpen has been inconsistent and it's really been one of their bigger downfalls. Yeah, I mean, you want to eliminate the free bases. I think if you have less than six free bases a game between walks hit by pitches, stolen bases, you give yourself a great chance to win. I look at it a little bit differently. I look at the two-lane game on Tuesday where I think we actually pitched better than our numbers, and we won. I think the the key to Saturday's game was with the exception of one inning, all of those innings stayed to one run, and we left guys on base, which we were the masters of that last year. Like, that's how we survived the season of keeping innings at one run. Um, In in a high-leverage game, uh, Saturday's game was the best job we did at that. And um, so I actually look at the bullpen and go, like, it's actually – not a bad performance last week, you know, given some of the circumstances to execute um, and they can be better. And that's exciting. Like, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a couple guys that are maybe as far away as like the numbers appear and we have the right plan, you know, and, and we'll keep doing what we're doing to get them better. And, um, you know, to be sitting in this position where there's only one team in the country that's lost fewer games than us um, in the entire country. And, um, you know, to have this room to get better, you love you love that as a coach. And then on the flip side of things, looking at the Cajuns with Matt Deggs, he talked about the last week for this team, but the biggest message was he was asked if the mindset and the approach changes for this game just because you're playing the top-ranked team in the country. Well, it doesn't change. I mean, they have a, a great offense, and, uh, you know, Jay does a tremendous job over there. He's a great offensive mind. He's one of the best in our game, uh, and he's got a lot of bullets over there. And so you, the, the biggest thing is you're going to give some stuff up, and it was a message yesterday. Make it a solo shot and, you know, make it one run, not three, not four. Uh, and you do that by limiting freebies, no hit batters, no walks, challenge the strike zone, be able to pitch off your fastball, depend on your guys, let the boys play behind you. And because uh, we've proven we'll pick it up and filled it. I think we're 983 or four in the league and close to 980 overall. And so uh, make them hit it. Hitting's tough. I don't care, you know, how good you are. Uh, it's tough. And uh, the best are hitting, you know, 300 in the big leagues. And so there's 70% chance somebody's going to make a play. You're going to get them out. Uh, so you got to attack the strike zone and uh, fill it up and you're going to give up some stuff and you got to be okay with that get it back to the offense let the boys hit jay johnson gave his thoughts on his opponent tonight in the 25 and 12 louisiana region cajuns yeah uh watched both games the doubleheader live yesterday um kind of like the thursday to saturday thing a little bit more now um 
I mean, get two TVs in my office at home, and it's like ULL's on one TV and Ole Miss is on the other TV. Um, they are awesome at what they do. I think it's they're just like Kentucky. They're the fastest team I've ever seen in the history of college baseball. Like every single guy, like they could probably place in the four by one hundred relay in the Sun Belt Conference track and field thing. Um, and they have a, a style, and um, they do a good. They do a really, really good, and. Matt's a good coach, coached against him a long time, happened to play in the NCAA tournament a few times. So um, good little rival. They have a good team. They have a really good team. They'll compete. I think they are competing for that that championship. And a um, little banged up uh, right now with a couple of their key players as well. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're an awesome opponent. This is one when the schedule comes out, like, you look at, okay, who are we playing around ULL because I have so much respect for them, you know. You know, Coach Johnson talked about the the Cajun speed, and, and he's not wrong. You look at it. I mean, Heath Hood has had a, a great year on the base paths. Max Marshak. I've heard some people say, talking about Max Marshak, that he's the fastest player in the country. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where anytime these two teams get together, it it's a great rivalry. But at the same time, it's just good baseball. Because even in a, even on a down year for both of these schools, they're still really good. It's just one of those things where it's never a bad baseball game between these two schools. And, you know, looking at the stolen base numbers for the Cajuns, Heath Hood has 24 stolen bases already. Carson Rockefort's got 17. Will Vayon's got 15. Max Marshak is a perfect 12 for 12 on stolen bases. And then Kyle DeBarge has 11. On the season, the Cajuns have 105 stolen bases. Their opponents so far this year have combined for 30. Just, just to show you how often the, the Cajuns like to steal bases. But going back to the conversation with tonight's game, Matt Degg said that this matchup between LSU and UL is good for the state. Well, anytime you've got multiple really good teams in your state, that's going to drive the, the sport way up, and you've got a number one team down the road. Uh, I think we were as high as 28 last week. Uh, there's just a lot of good baseball in this state, and it's an opportunity for two uh, you know, crazed fan bases, for lack of a better word, to, to get together and have a three-hour party. Uh, you know, like Coach Herb Brooks said, uh, Great moments are born out of great opportunities, and uh, it's a great opportunity for us tomorrow night. Uh, I just want us to get over there and play fast, hard, and loose, fill up the strike zone, make the plays, and compete at the dish, and then we'll see what happens. And lastly, Jay Johnson gave his thoughts on his team's self-inflicted wounds and how they need to turn that around. Yeah, I think um, we always focus on the play, and you know, it's it's obviously results business, but for us, how we get the result actually matters to us. And so, like, we actually have a saying that uh, we don't accept in winning what we wouldn't accept in losing. And so when you're playing the schedule that we've played, when you make some of those mistakes, they're just going to get magnified and they're going to cost you a game. That's what happened on Saturday. You know, we made uh, three errors and we walked a good number of guys. You know, we've walked some guys, made it harder on ourselves and still won games, but it doesn't make the walks okay. You know, um, so we're just going to work on it. You know, like uh, today's practice plan is designed to, hey, we're going to refresh a couple of these things, make sure it's tighter, and um, 
you know, when we play well, this team knows they're going to win when they play well. So we always just try to bring it back to the, the play and execution. You know, the whole game is about execution. And, um, you know, we just try to get better at it. We'll take a timeout when we return. Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball will join us. We'll look at this matchup and the Tigers weekend series with Ole Miss right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 433 here on your Tuesday. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, give us a call on the game hotline. 337-706-0111. Let's continue our conversation now about Louisiana versus LSU. Inside Alex Box Stadium tonight, Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball covers the SEC, joins us here on the game hotline. Mark, really appreciate you taking the time. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, I just got back from, from Starkville for Super Bulldog weekend, saw an NCAA record crowd, great atmosphere, just so fired up for baseball we're getting to the closing stretch here yeah you know this last month month and a half of the season is when things really get just even more entertaining than they were in the first half just because there's so much more to to play for at this point of the year you know at first question you you brought up your your trip to Starkville what was Super Bulldog weekend like I mean that place had to be wild it it was as good an atmosphere as you're going to find especially when you consider the two teams at the bottom of the standings. I mean, anybody can support a first-place team, right? But to have that kind of fan support, I mean, set an NCAA record crowd. There were great crowds all day, all weekend. The weather was great. The games were tight. They could have gone either way. There were two one-run games and then a two-run game. Uh, it, was, it was a walk-off on Saturday with that monster crowd. You couldn't hear yourself think at the end of the game. Uh, it was it was, it was was really a really a memorable uh, weekend of baseball. The other thing is, you know, they unveiled a statue of Ron Polk, you know, and, and that was – it was really cool thinking about all the things that he's done, you know, uh, as a steward of, of, of college baseball for decades. Now and uh, now that he's there, there's a statue of him kind of watching over the stadium, just like he's watched over college baseball for all this uh, all, all these years. So uh, just posted a story on that, um, and uh, I think it's you know it's kind of one of those one of those iconic figures of our sport that uh, you know you, he's just one of these people you cross paths with and you just remember him, right? He's just such a unique character. Yeah, you know. Talking about guys that have just really made such an impact on the the game of college baseball. Obviously, mm-hmm. everyone knows about Skip Bertman and the impact he's had yeah. while at LSU. Uh, you know, looking at SEC baseball, just the the history of it. I mean, year in and year out, there's gonna be a team in the SEC competing for the national championship. Well, it's there's such a commitment to winning there that the floor is higher than a lot of program ceilings. And, and it's, you know, there's so much money, there's facilities, there's, uh, there's great coaching, uh, and obviously that leads to great players. And, and, and with all that, 
the league is, in my opinion, I've been doing this almost three decades now, it's never been stronger from top to bottom than it is right now. And that's what makes it, you know, so challenging because you could be the, the sixth or seventh best team in the conference and still be a top 15 national club. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, the strength at the top. And, you know, they're playing each other. Somebody's got to lose those games. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see down the stretch how this thing shakes out and who's going to end up being a, you know, who's going to be a national seed and who's going to host and who's going to, you know, get in the, you know, get in the postseason and frankly, who's going to make it to Hoover because there'll be two pretty good teams that aren't going to be there. You know, looking at LSU twenty nine and six to start the season thus far, the consensus number one currently. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the rest of their schedule, I hate to say that the SEC baseball schedule is going to get easier for them, but considering the gauntlet that they just yeah. went through, it, it, it kind of lightens up a little bit with Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, yeah. Mississippi State. You know, with, with the play that LSU had in that first half, as, as daunting as it was, I mean, is, is it kind of scary to think about LSU the rest of the way? Well, you, you, that's a good point. Um, I actually wrote wrote this in uh, one of my pieces that, that ran Monday, our weekend dish, that comparing the the SE, kind of the intra-conference strength of schedule, right? Who have you already played? And we subtracted the games, you know, that you played against that opponent. And LSU's was, was near the top, right? Well, when you look at the rest of the way and you compile those records of who they're yet to play, uh, they were at the very bottom, which means – they had the easiest schedule, not just of the contenders, but of all 14 SEC teams. So when you look at it that way, there's an opportunity to get some sweeps. I mean, LSU hasn't swept anyone yet, um, and a chance to maybe figure some things out on the mound, because that really is the question right now. No one questions the offense. Uh, it's, it's all about, uh, is Floyd going to be the guy in the, in the second starter spot behind Skeens? And, and then Sunday, can they figure that out? And then who's going to who's going to get the ball at the end of the game? Because they've got plenty of plenty of candidates. They've got some injured guys. They hope to get back, but it, there, there's some mystery there, and, and that's really the question that they've got to answer if, if they're going to win win it all. Which is the expectation, right? You 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 enter the season number one. There's really no place to go, right? It's it's a disappointment if you don't you don't win it all. And, and that's the question that they've got to answer. You know, you, you look at the statistics for LSU thus far, and the the stat line that the two stat lines that really pop out is Tommy White, who leads the nation with sixty two RBIs, and then Dylan Cruz. Mark, how many times in your career have you seen a guy thirty five games in playing against the top talent in the country, and he's hitting five hundred? Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's just nuts what he's doing, and you know, it's it, nothing. Uh, exemplified it like in the game, I guess it was game three, so that would be Saturday. Late in the game, there's first and second, and they walk him intentionally to pitch to Tommy White. I mean, that's that's the ultimate respect. I mean, it didn't work out, but it, you know, White got, a, got hit by a pitch, but it was just a crazy deal. Yeah, you know, you, you never see – 
the way Jay Johnson does his lineup sets them up perfectly for situations like mm-hmm. that. Because I mean, you look at it; it's it's either Dylan Cruz or Tommy White. Pick your poison. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and then you know, and the lineup is so deep. I mean, look at what Jones is doing, and and when Dugas comes back, and I mean Trey Morgan. I mean, it, it's they're not there are no gaps in that lineup, and they can hurt you all the way through. And they've got guys on the bench who would be you know top hitters at at a, at a lot of places. It's just a it's one of those offenses that has a chance to be historic. There's just so many weapons. You know, you, you knew what Dylan Cruz was going to do. You knew what Tommy White was going to do. Who else in LSU's lineup has really impressed you this season with, with the way that they've been able to perform? Well, I, I think Dugas, hitting at the top of the lineup, moving to second base, you know, after being an outfielder, you know, not really uh, you know, having a, a lot of history there, being able to be a, a, a top guy, I mean, He's kind of the straw that serves the drink there, I believe. And I think, you know, the other thing is is having guys like Paxton Kling and, you know, and Jared Jones and, and Brady Neal come in as freshmen in this super team, right, and they're able to blend in and, and hold their own and, and, and be, you know, contributors in a team that's kind of ready built to win. A lot of times you don't have freshmen come in and, and play right away. Chatting with Mark Etheridge uh, of D1Baseball.com. Jay Johnson, just talk about the job that he's done. I, I know LSU has such a history, and obviously that that makes it a little bit easier in, in terms of recruiting. But for LSU to have the success that they've had so early uh, under Jay Johnson, j- just kind of talk about the path that they're on. Well, I mean, certainly there's some advantages there, and Jay's done a great job of, of using that to his advantage, assembling the talent. And then once it's there, you know, it's the, that's only part of the game. You've got to manage those egos and manage playing time and keep people sharp. There, there's not enough. You, know, you only play nine at a time. So the, there's not enough spots for all these good players. And how do you keep guys engaged? How do you keep them from, from, from bickering amongst themselves or, or checking out? Or, or get or or getting rusty, you know, because they're not playing as much, and you're going to need them at some point in the year. So that, to me, has been the, you know, probably the most impressive thing, thing that Jay has Jay's been able to do is just keep them all locked in. And I think a lot of that, a lot of credit, also goes to having some strong leaders on that team. I mean, a guy like Paul Skeens, who comes from the Air Force. I mean, your your culture got a whole lot better. Right? You, you know, as soon as you bring in a guy like that, who's going to do things the right way, and Dylan Cruz is the same kind of cat. So it's it's really a a, a good uh, locker room mixture on a club that uh, honestly that was the biggest concern. No one doubted the talent; you just doubted how all those all those alphas were going to get along, and and they've done a great job of that. Jevin Coleman going to return to the mound for the first time in over a year tonight after Tommy John surgery when he gets the start against Louisiana. Anytime you have an in-state matchup like this with two really good baseball programs, I mean, I I know this might sound like an obvious statement, but it can only be beneficial for for the game of baseball. Yeah, and it it certainly builds builds interest in anything that, you know, any kind of, anytime you can get a buzz, right, that from from, from a matchup, whether it's an in-state matchup, whether it's a high-profile matchup, um, those are the things that compare that prepare you 
for what's going to happen in the postseason and those big games that, you know, where, when you're playing an elimination game, you can remember that, that hostile environment you played in or, or that moment where you had that, that, that great comeback against your, you know, your, your rival team in a midweek game that at the time you didn't realize was going to be a big deal. But you can build on those. And, and I think that's the, that's the advantage of playing these games that matter because they absolutely, um, you know, I mean, a, a midweek game like this, I mean, it's it's going to be one of the you know most hotly contested of of, of the week, and here it is, kind of a you know, it's a it's it's a opportunity for 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 the Cajuns to uh, to make some noise, but it's also a chance for LSU to play some new guys. You mentioned Coleman coming back. I mean, that's a big piece for them going forward, and. You know, I'm sure we'll see a lot of arms tonight. So it's it's an opportunity for both teams. Talking about pitching and defense, not really being a, a crip tonight for for LSU, but that's definitely been the the weaker of, of the two sides. With the Cajuns' offense coming into this game, Jay Johnson talked yesterday mm-hmm. about how he, he said that this was, this was the fastest baseball team that, that he's probably ever seen. How can the Cajuns exploit the deficiencies in the LSU bullpen to, to maybe manufacture some runs tonight? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really similar to what Kentucky tried to do this weekend. Kentucky plays similar to, LSU, uh, to, to, to the Cajuns, and that's who LSU faced. So it was... One of those deals where uh, you're going to use the small game, you're going to run, you're going to try to you know, take advantage and, and take free bases where you can get them. I think that's that's the the, the uh, game plan. And then from there, if you can you can get some walks, if you can you know take advantage of some guys that aren't really performing at the level you want. Maybe they're really talented, but they're not throwing strikes, and turn that one run into a three spot or a four spot, I, I think that that's the way that that you have to beat LSU. You're not going to, you know, you're not probably not going to beat them three to two, right? You're going to need to, you're going to need to score some runs. And to do that, you're going to need some big innings. What's the expectation this weekend when, when LSU plays Ole Miss? Well, Ole Miss, they're, certainly their back's against the wall. Um, I saw them this weekend. They played well enough to win all three games. Their bullpen is just missing some guys. They just don't have enough. Um, but their offense is, is, is strong, and, and if LSU doesn't pitch better, Ole Miss is going to score. So it's so, so that's the that's going to be the key is LSU's got to pitch better. But I, I think that, that that LSU offense is going to have some fun once they get the Ole Miss starters out. So so that's the key. The other thing to th- to think about here is Ole Miss. He's been missing their ace, Hunter Elliott, since the opening uh, weekend of the year. He's expected to pitch in some form or fashion this weekend. So we'll see if that helps them because they're certainly a, can use all the help they can get at this point. And but but you have to favor. I mean, you got the you know, number one team in the country playing against a team that's in last place. Uh, even though they won it all last year, I mean LSU goes in a heavy favorite. Uh, maybe this is a chance to get a sweep, but. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think, you know, Ole Miss is is going to lay down, especially at home. It'll be a. I'm sure they'll have, still have a good crowd. Everybody wants to see LSU come to town. So um, I'm expecting three really good games. I, you know, don't let the records fool you. I think. I think it'll be competitive.
Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball joining us here on the game hotline. Mark, really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy another great week of college baseball, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, take care. And there he goes, Mark Etheridge of D1Baseball.com. Again, Louisiana and LSU. First pitch, 6.30. Pre-game set for 6, and you can catch it right here on the game. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this. It's crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text RODEO to 337-283-8100 for the Angola Prison Rodeo this Saturday and Sunday, and you can see all the excitement from bull riding, wild horse racing, and even convict poker. Text RODEO to 337-283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up our number one here in the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Wrapping up our number one, don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Now, it was interesting, Matt, because during the timeout, you had noticed a little bit of news about Juan Jose Altuve. Could yeah. be Could be back sooner than we initially expected? Yeah, that's what general manager... Dana Brown said mm-hmm. uh, he, he met with the media actually on the field earlier this afternoon, and he said he's doing well. I was in the training room with him and watching him do his thumb exercises. He's on track that he could return sooner than we thought. So that that's ten, a good sign. That eight to ten week timeline might now be six to eight, which is pretty standard, right? You know, they they give you a timeline. Most athletes beat out the timeline. Uh, you know, you hear nine to twelve months for ACLs. Most guys come back in six to eight now. Um, so, right, because at this point, with medication and science kind of advancing, you're able to figure out how to recover faster. And then not only that, but you don't want to be like, oh, they'll be back in a week or two weeks, and then you find out, oh, actually, this was more of a three to five week injury because you'd rather overestimate on an injury and be like, they'll be back in this time. That way, whenever and if they come back sooner, it's like, okay, well, this is good progress instead of it being like, well, what happened to one week? It's been three. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's it, it's big news for the Astros. Uh, they've got game two of their series with the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. It's really interesting with the Astros so far this season because – a lot of the games, especially recently, the last like seven, eight games, none of them have been close. And none that's for them. both sides, whether you win yeah, or whether, lose. Whether, right. Whether you win it or you lose it. Because like you'll you'll lose eight to two, but then you come back the next like next night, like last night, and win nine to two. Correct. It's like they're they're either hot or cold with their pitching and batting overall. 
Another big piece of news that was revealed when General Manager Dana Brown met with the media, Michael Brantley could begin his rehab assignment with the Sugarland Space Cowboys as early as Sunday. So Michael Brantley could be looking to make a comeback here in the next couple of weeks, which would be another big get for the Astros. Yeah, because even though your offense has looked solid at times, like it's missing something. You're you're missing a little bit more than some because you haven't had Brantley in a while, and then Jose's been out this whole season so far. So it's like once you can get those guys back and they get back in the groove and everyone kind of molds and meshes back together with the chemistry, yep. you'll feel like they can get back on a roll for sure. And also Chaz McCormick was added to the 10-day IL today uh, after missing the last couple of games with First, it was vision issues, and then it's a back injury. Now, um, he is eligible to come off of the IL on Tuesday, so a week from today. Um, so that is something to monitor as well for the Houston Astros. But that's going to just about do it for our number one. When we kick off our number two, we're going to talk all things McNeese Cowboys with our good friend Jim Gazzolo, the host of the McNeese Coaches Show. We'll get his thoughts on McNeese softball hosting LSU tonight, McNeese baseball, what's what's their week ahead looking like. We'll get his thoughts on Will Wade's signing class and much more, and also to the moon coming up at 5.30. Right here on Crunch Time, you're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We're back right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, inside the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Give us a call on the game hotline. 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on the simulcast. Just head to Stadium 32.3 or Channel 133 if you have LUS Fiber. Here in hour number one, we talked about the Louisiana LSU baseball matchup. We also touched on the NBA playoffs and gave you your top stories of the day. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk about the Houston Astros and their matchup with the Toronto Blue Jays last night and then game two of that series being tonight. But before we do that, let's head over to Lake Chuck and talk about the McNeese Cowboys and Cowgirls with our guy Jim Gazzolo. He is the host of the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game each and every Wednesday. Jim, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm always good in the chuck. It's always good to be in the chuck. You know, you, you, you always disagree with me when I say that, but it's always good to be in the chuck. No, it's not always good. It's not, I can give you some couple of days where it wasn't too good, but usually it is. Let's start with softball. They've got a home game tonight getting underway in about an hour against number 15 LSU. The Cowgirls and Andrew James Landrino 32-12 and 12 so far on the year 14-1 and one in the Southland. What what are your expectations, thoughts? Give us a preview of tonight's matchup. Well, if you go by the last game uh, they played, they were, McNeese was in it um, until one inning uh, got away from them. 
and they lost. They actually lost a review, um, a replay review, which ended up costing them two runs, and they lost by two or three. I would expect it to be fairly close, fairly low scoring, with a mistake being the difference. And usually in these games, unfortunately, McNeese is the one that makes the mistakes. You know, looking at the the Cowgirls so far on this season, again, like I mentioned, thirty two and twelve. They're fourteen and one in the Southland. Looking at the offense, Jim, you've got six players hitting three hundred or better, including you know Mariana Torres and Aaron Arduin, and then a handful of others with Chloe Gomez as well. However, Chloe Gomez is is out right now, but. Just talk about the offensive production that James Landrino has been able to get out of his roster. Well, he's got his big thing is he's gotten an extended lineup. Uh, he's pretty good top to bottom. They don't have a lot of power this year. That that's different from years in the past. But they're running an awful lot. They, they take advantage not just stolen bases, although they're in the top ten in the country in stolen bases. But they're very good at going first to third, first to home, taking the extra base. Um, and getting putting pressure on the defense, which has been their big thing. Uh, that's how they beat the Washingtons. That's how they were able to, to win some games against power conferences, is they put pressure on the other team, which is kind of what used to happen to them in big games. It would be the other team that would run them into problems. So I think they've learned from that. and They're more of a slash team, um, which I think he enjoys more because he's not counting on one or two players to drive in the run. He can get production up and down the lineup, which I think makes him, he thinks, a little more dangerous come regional. And then looking at pitching, Whitney Tate and Ashley Vallejo have been huge for, for this group, especially Whitney Tate with her 1.49 ERA and a 13-3 and record. Uh, just kind of talk about the two pitchers that James Landrino has. Well, he has two different types of pitchers. Tate is more of a contact, pitch-to-contact type, uh, doesn't walk people. Vallejo had some problems early in the year. Uh, so her numbers are a little bit disjointed. She's actually been the better pitcher of late. Uh, she's the one that had the back-to-back shutouts against Nichols, and she will get the start tonight. Uh, I believe they were planning on having her start tonight. So this is a big test for her, but she has, she has the upside of being a dominant number one, and that is this has been the key to him. James Lendon has said over the years, the key to going deep into regionals is getting two pitchers, not just one ace, and he thinks he's got that this year. Now we'll want to see how she does against a top-quality team like LSU. But this is a big game for McNeese because this is a potential sec number two seed if they were to win this game and win out. They might get a number two seed because they would have wins against a couple of top 25 or three or four top 25 teams. So I'm not sure if it's a huge deal to be a two or a three seed, but I think he likes the fact that if he can get a two seed and go away from LSU – like he did last year and go up to Northwestern, uh, he likes his chances. Flipping over to baseball now for McNeese. And, and you know, when you look at this group, 24 and 12, 6 and 6 in the Southland, had a good weekend in Hammond, taking two out of three against Southeastern. They have the week off as they prepare for the weekend series at home against UNO. But, Jim, one thing that stands out. Grant Rogers is currently tied for the national lead in wins. Yes. He's 8-0 on the season in nine appearances. He's pitched 64 and a third innings. And the guy that he's tied with plays right here in our backyard with Cooper Rawls and the Raging Cajuns. 
Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Grant Rogers has been tremendous for them. They've won all nine of his starts. Eight of them he's won. Um, after that, though, was the question mark, and they're starting to answer those questions by taking two guys they thought were going to be key at the back of their bullpen at the beginning of the year, all Burrell Jones and uh, Ty Abraham. They combined to throw, I think, 10 innings of shutout ball over the weekend, uh, both as starts. And I think that's something we, we were waiting to see is who would step up in the number two and three spots because Derek Cherry wasn't able to do it. Voss wasn't able to do it. They were really looking for that. Now comes the question is, though, if you do flip that, who's your back end of your bullpen? Uh, Lejeune did a, did a good – Cameron Lejeune did a good job the other day. If they can find that piece, then maybe they can go with a three-man rotation like they'd like. Now, with Grant Rogers, you talked about how they've won all nine of his appearances. Only eight of them appear on his record, though. Yes. What what does he do differently than, than maybe some other pitchers that, that really gives McNeese opportunities to win games? He throws strikes. <laughs> he does not walk people. He throws strikes. He throws ground balls. He works fast. Uh, he has He is a pitcher that has an idea of what he's going to do. He'll throw pitches in four or five seconds. Um, there's no pitch clock worry with him. And, and that keeps the defense plays very well behind him because of that. And it really keeps them in all the games because the interest level is there. He does, And I, like I said, he does not walk, guys. And that is his, that is his biggest suit. Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press and the host of the McNeese Coaches Show joining us here on Crunch Time. Let's go to basketball. Will Wade you know, brought in a whole new level of excitement to McNeese basketball this offseason. Last week, he announced a transfer signing class with five new players coming in to Lake Charles. What were your What were your thoughts on the class? I, I never know, and I hate to say that because I never know. Um, there's a reason why they were in the transfer portal. But he did bring athleticism, and he brought in a lot of guys that were 6'3 to 6'6", that can that can fill up the basketball, that can shoot and have numbers. Um, so it's a good class from on paper. The big question is, who are the next five? <laughs> um, because he's promising four or five guys. We're also hearing some rumors uh, that I can't track down yet that maybe Kristen Shoemate, who went to the transfer portal, may want to come back and come back and play for McNeese. No way. So I, I think that would be interesting. If Christian Shoemake comes back with the athleticism that you just mentioned that he is he's gotten so far this all I mean God sky's the limit for this team. Well, it's an it's interesting because the league is completely different. Five of the co- the five new coaches, including Will Wade, the transfer portal took up a good portion of the talent. I would have guessed, unless I'm mistaken, everybody on the first and second team of the All Conference uh, are gone. All of Northwestern State is gone. All of Corpus Christi is gone. Um, so it's wide open. Nichols is going to have to be rebuilding now with a new coach. So and all their kids, when he went to the port, when he went to transfer and went to Alabama, clutch, um, their team went to the portal. So it, it, this is a, this is a quick flip. You can flip this league pretty quick. Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press joining us here on Crunch Time. Jim, what's the plan for the McNeese Coaches Show tomorrow night? Um, a couple of guests. 
uh, Matt Bonnet will be one, and then Brandon Chambers is also expected. Uh, if he can stop by, he's on our, doing some recruiting, but um, he'll, he'll be back. Uh, he's in a, he's the first assistant officially assistant coach in the Will Wade era. Uh, he's got some other guys that are going through the contract uh, approvals. Um, I would expect to hear them later this week. But uh, it's going to be an interesting week because he brought a couple of kids on campus this week. And I want to see if he gets some size to go with it. He's got, a, he's got more athleticism than he's had. Um, but we got to see. He said he wants 10 new ones and three old ones. So we want to see who, who stays and who goes. Jim, appreciate you as always. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, we'll talk to you later. And there he goes, Jim Gazzola, the host of the McNeese Coaches Show. James, can you imagine the talent and athleticism that Will Wade just brought in, plus keeping Christian Shoemate? Yeah, it's going to start to be a real squad, and they're going to be a real thread in the Southland starting if, this year. If that rumor turns out to be true, especially with all the turnover in the Southland Conference, I mean, like Jim just mentioned, five new coaches this season. In the Southland Conference. Right. There's been a lot of turnover, and to me, you as McNeese getting the best of the coaches and then you bringing in a bunch of new talent and keeping some of the ones that were a mainstay for you for the Cowboys. Things are going to be interesting. You're going to see a new leaf being turned in Lake Chuck. McNeese competes for a Southland Championship right away. That's what I'm saying. I like Right away. They're gonna compete. They might be the favorite. They compete for sure. I don't know if they'll win it the first year, but by the end of the second year, I they win the Southland Conference for sure. Oh, man, that's going to be fun. 514 here on your Tuesday. We'll go ahead and take a timeout. When we return, James and I will talk NBA playoffs as well as the NHL playoffs. And then at 530, again, to the moon with Brian Lalima of Sports Radio 790 in Houston right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 518 here on your Tuesday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. James, let's look at the NBA playoffs tonight. Three matchups. We talked a little bit about the Celtics and Hawks. When you look at this series, obviously you know what the Celtics have been capable of all season long. Uh, they, They were arguably one of the top teams in the NBA. But now you're matched up with a what's the best way to describe the Atlanta Hawks? They're a good team that hasn't quite figured it out. And the team that kind of feels like they're disintegrating. Yeah, slowly. 
Because um, I, I saw a couple reports earlier in the show where they were like, is Trey Young done in Atlanta? Because I know they've been trying to move on from John Collins for the longest time. If tra- I don't, I don't think Trey Young's time in Atlanta is over, but could but see it. it, might at, be. it, it we could see it at some point soon, which would be just an absolute disaster for Atlanta. Now look, Trey Young and Jason Tatum together. Okay, okay, pipe dream, little bit. Um, you'd have to trade Marcus Smart to make that happen. Would you be willing to do that? I'll just I'll just wait till he's a free agent. Yeah, there you go. So what you gonna have both of them? Where are you gonna play them? Combo guard. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Both of them are Which point one's guards coming off the bench. They're both starting. So then, where's Jalen Brown go? I I don't. I'm thinking Jalen Brown's probably gonna be gone soon. Yeah, he's coming to New Orleans. Uh, yeah, he's coming to New Orleans. So Jalen Brown and CJ McCollum. Yeah, because you play Brandon Ingram as the four <laughs> and Zion as the five. Oh, so uh, Jonas so Jonas Valanciunas is coming off the bench. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, ab- actually, that's an interesting concept. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, CJ, Jalen, B.I., Zion, Jonas. There you go. Just I, I guess just keep CJ at the point. Or, Which will further frustrate you. Or, or Jalen Brown could run the point. It's, it's basically just having CJ McCollum run the point. It's like, what? Look, man, I just want athleticism. Oh. I, want, I, I want points. I want dubs. That's what I want. However it has to happen, I want dubs. So the Pelicans need to figure out a way to make that happen. Game two of that series, 6 o'clock tonight, 6.30. The Knicks and the Cavs, man, I'm going to tell you, if game two is is anything close to what game one was. You better get your popcorn ready. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, that Oh, man, that series has just been so incredible already. Um, who wins tonight? Oh, I got to take the Cavs. I mean, this is your last game at home. If you have to go to New York down, down 0-2, 0-2, it's over. It's over because the Knicks, even though as much as I like what the Cavs are doing, the Knicks, they find ways to win because I would have never expected it from this squad. I never would have expected Julius Randle being the leader of that team, him leading to, to the five seed, and then getting a win on the road. If the Cavs lose again, it, it's over. You just You pretty much have to crown – the Knicks, the winner in five or six, and then in that in the night game, how critical would it be for the Clippers to go back to oh. L.A. up two zero? It's the it's the same thing. At that point, the Suns are in a really bad spot because even if they win, let's say they win it in six or seven, you going into the second round playing whether it's the Nuggets or whoever else you end up playing, like the Warriors or the Kings. It's like, at that point, if you're a Suns fan or just somebody that's watching the playoffs in general, are you going to feel uber confident in KD, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker after they struggled to and they went down 0-2? If they go down 0-2 in another series, you would think they're eliminated at that point if they have to play the Kings, the Warriors, 
the Nuggets, you know, any of those teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always so interesting when you get to the NBA playoffs when, you know, you have top dogs like the Suns or, or Denver or, or, you know, even even Boston or even Milwaukee. There's just so much opportunity for an upset. And I think right now you've got two top seeds that are really, really ripe for an upset. And to me, one's in the East and one's in the West, in Memphis and Milwaukee. Right, because with Jaw, even if Jaw's back, he won't be 100%. He won't be 100%. And I just worry about that Grizzly squad in general because... The Lakers, as much as we both hate to admit it, they are on fire. They've been playing really well. They are playing insane basketball. LeBron, just as useful as we always see him play, for some reason at 38 years old, he still looks like he's he plays like he's 25. Looking, not not so much. But the fact that they brought in D'Lo and they brought in Rui Hachimura, those additions to that squad have been really crucial. And, and it, Austin, it really, at the end of the day, it, and Austin Reeves, them getting him undrafted, which is crazy because you would have thought he would have at least been a mid to late second round at the worst. Yeah. No, he went undrafted. But that whole team functions and they do or die with Anthony Davis. So him getting injured, then taking the meds to feel like he's not injured and lift his arm. If he gets injured again, then the Lakers are in trouble. But for right now, they're they're still rocking and rolling for sure. Switching gears to the NHL now. James, if I told you that going into the playoffs, a team's record was 62 or 65, 12 and 5 in an 82 game season, you would probably tell me that it's time to crown them the champion. I would say it's close. I wouldn't say it's time, but I would say, yeah, this is a team that you feel like unless they just absolutely falter in the playoffs, that is the team that you would probably put a sports betting fan to bet on. Now, in a series like this where you're playing a Florida Panthers team that's 42-32-8, does it kind of feel like, or at least to me, it feels like in this situation you have a team that has everything to lose? In the Boston Bruins at 65, 12, and 5. And then you have the Florida Panthers who are kind of playing with house money, with reckless abandon, nothing to lose. Right. And those are the most dangerous teams in any playoffs. I mean, this this series could get interesting. I know Boston won the game 3-1 to one last night, but I watched most of this game, and even though Boston had a two-goal lead for the entire third period, it felt like Florida could get right back in the game at any moment. If they knocked in one more goal, you'd have been like, they're right back in it. This is going to OT. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Hurricanes taking down the Islanders last night. That was widely expected. uh, Two to one in that one. The Wild absolutely upsetting the Dallas Stars three to two in double overtime last night. The Stars were the favorite in that one as it is being played in Dallas. And then the Kings took down the Oilers in OT four to three. Uh, those were all game ones. And then tonight is the second half of game ones. Rangers and Devils, Lightning and Maple Leafs, Jets and the Golden Knights, and then the Avalanche and the Kraken. Going to be some great playoff series 
in the NHL. I know we don't talk about NHL a whole lot uh, down here in South Louisiana, but we'll keep you updated on, on all the happenings on the ice. I, I just wish, like I said yesterday, I just wish the Washington Capitals were playing in it so that I had a rooted, vested interest. But, you know. Just go for the Bruins. Can't win them all. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. As a Capitals fan, there are four teams, really five, that you don't cheer for. You don't cheer for the Penguins in any situation. You don't cheer for the Bruins. You don't cheer for the Carolina Hurricanes. You don't cheer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you don't cheer for the New York Rangers. Oh, Mr. Green's upset. You don't cheer? No. Not as a Caps fan. You do not. Those five franchises have broken your heart too many times. <laughs> don't care. Don't cheer for them at all. It's kind of like uh, Saints with the three division rivals, the San Niners, Francisco. and Dallas. Broken your heart too many times. So don't even, no, don't do it. Um, so yeah. And Minnesota. Oh, yeah. The Vikings. The Vikings. Yikes. We'll take a time out here. We'll go to the moon next with Brian Lalima talking all things Houston Astros. Jose Altuve could be coming back sooner than expected. Plus, can Alex Bregman finally turn the corner? We'll do that next. Fly me to the moon. That's driven. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Minkas and Nash. 5.33 and it's time to talk to a guy that thinks that I don't want to talk to him. And Mr. Brian Lalima of Sports Talk 790 at Apollo HOU. Brian, what's going on, buddy? How are you? <laughs> That's how we're starting this. I mean, look, you, you, you've been talking smack in the text messages. So I, I had I had to throw you out there. Look, man. Look, me and Mesh got a thing, you know, on radio. So it, it, you either look, you either have it or you don't, Miguez. All right, that's all I got to say. Who, who, whose name's who name? Whose name is first in the show in the show title? I I would have to say it's yours. You got me there. Aha! There it is. So the Astros beat the Blue Jays nine to two last night. They're now eight and nine on the season. Five and six. Inside Minute Maid Park, Jake Myers, or should I say Rake Myers, hits a three-run homer in the seven-run first inning for the Strohs. Corey Jolks had a good night as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on last night's matchup? Well, I'll start with Corey Jolks because I said it to you guys a couple of weeks ago. I like what Corey Jolks brings to this lineup. I've said it on our show on Sports Talk 790. I've said it on our podcast on Apollo HOU, the Beyond the Diamond podcast. Corey Jolks needs to get as many at-bats as possible, in my opinion, because you are seeing what he can bring to this lineup. We looked at his advanced stats this morning on Baseball Savant. He is hitting, he is connecting barrels with baseballs at a rate of 50% so far this season. And you saw it again last night. He had another home run. He had a double with a couple RBIs. He's hitting the baseball well. And when it's when it comes to Jake Myers, um, it's good to see Jake Myers square some baseballs up because he hasn't played well or he hasn't hit well so far. Um, he's had some uh, not so good routes in the outfield, and a lot of people here in Houston are, you know, have talked about maybe sending him back down. 
But now with Chaz McCormick going on the IL for a 10-day t- stint uh, with some back soreness, I would say when it comes to, to Jake Myers, play him as much as possible so he can either fail or succeed. One or the other. Let's see what he's really got. You know, talking about failing or succeeding, look, I know it's a 162-game season, and there it, it's really difficult to look at numbers just 17 games in and, and question it. But I'm looking at the stat lines of both Alex Bregman and Jeremy Pena, and, and Brian, I'm not impressed. Yeah, no. Um, I think when it comes to, to Bregman, and you know, you say there's not – how many games? So they're eight, nine, so 17 games in. Um, but on the flip side of that – I mean, that's all we can judge off of, right, is 17 games. So, yeah, early those two guys um, not not really hitting like we thought, but I think when it comes to Bregman, he's notorious for being a slow starter, but he still gets on base. I think he had another walk last night. He doesn't strike out a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of one of those things. You know he's going to work out of it. Um, and then Jeremy Pena, I don't want to say sophomore slump, but um, he's got some things to figure out. You know, he was early on in the season, you know, first five or six, seven games, he was swinging out a lot of sliders, swinging out pitches out of the zone. Maybe the uh, pitch selection needs to get a little bit better. But I trust both of those guys will figure it out here sooner than rather than later. How about Mauricio Dubon hitting 340 so far on the year? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um, I had to take the L on Mauricio Dubon. I think 99% of Houston, Texas, had to take the yeah. L on Dubon because a lot of people were out on Dubon, getting a lot of playing time, and now he's got a 12-game hitting streak. Yeah, you know, it's just been so impressive to watch a guy like Dubon step up in, in a spot where you haven't really seen him play a whole lot. I mean, last year it was a you know he would play spot center field or you know, spot shortstop when Jeremy Pena needed a day off. But for for him to step in long-term at second base for, for Jose Altuve has just been really impressive to see. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a breath of fresh air, honestly, because, look, the guy that he's, he's not replacing but he's filling in for is Jose Altuve, a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest Astros of all time. He probably will go down as the greatest Astro of all time. Um, you know, so for him to come in, he was, like you said, he was a spot guy. He was a spot starter, platoon guy, uh, played defensive substitution baseball last year, got some at-bats here and there. Um, he started down in the lineup. Then they were able to put him in the leadoff spot with Chaz going down. Uh, he's he's performed well. He plays really good defense. Um, and now with Chaz being on the IL, you're, you're going to bring up Ryland Bannon, who can play infield, and then you can have – Mauricio Dubon filling in center field if Jake Myers isn't there. He, he's just been uh, – uh, he's had professional at-bats, and, and I don't think anybody saw it coming, really. So good for him, making the most of it. He gives a lot of credit to Jordan Alvarez, uh, Chandler Rome, who used to be with the Houston Chronicle, now with the Athletic, taking over, uh, writing about the Astros. He actually announced that this morning. He put out a really good article about how Jordan Alvarez and Mauricio Dubon play dominoes together every day in the clubhouse and they talk hitting and things like that. So whatever he's doing is working. I love seeing the kid get more at-bats and, and be productive because literally everybody was out on him getting a, getting a lot of playing time. Now, Brian, sticking with Jose Altuve, I mean, we had heard an announce from uh, Dana Brown that he's actually kind of ahead of schedule and we could see him come back sooner than we originally planned. Yeah, and he said that. So we have Dana Brown on our show on the Sean Salisbury Show on Sports Talk 790. We have him every Wednesday. And he told us last week that, um, you know, he's been around him. He's been in the training room with him, which I know he said again just actually like a couple of minutes ago. 
um, with the media availability that he's noticing the thumb movement is getting better and better and better. So we, we could see a return here, like he said, sooner than we thought. He's going to have to do a, a, a rehab stint in AAA, which we know. And then if I'm not mistaken, uh, Michael Brantley could mm-hmm. get into a, a game at AAA as soon as this Sunday. So those two guys are going to be back before we know it. And then I think that's where we're really going to see this lineup start to click. Chatting with Brian Lalima of Sports Talk 790 and Apollo HOU here for To the Moon. Looking ahead to tonight's game with the Astros and Blue Jays, Jose Arquiti going to be on the mound for the Astros with Chris Bassett on the bump for the Blue Jays. What do you like about this pitching matchup and where does it favor the Astros? Uh, so I think what I like is the Astros are familiar with Chris Bassett. He played for the A's and they've seen him because they're in the division. So that's going to be uh, an advantage for the Astros. And then when it comes to Jose Urquidy, he gets a lot of fly balls. Um, they're playing at home. And, you know, with what Urquidy brought to the table last time around, he pitched well. I think for me the big key for the Astros is can Urquidy throw more than five innings? If he can throw seven, keep it tight. Astros get a couple runs off of Bassett because the, the familiarity is there then, you know, get it to those guys in the back end of the bullpen, and the Astros should take care of business. Um, it's, it's look, man, the, the Blue Jays got some big boppers on their team. We know that. So it's a little concerning because he does give, give up a lot of fly balls. Hopefully none of those sneak out to the Crawford boxes. But I like the chances, man. I mean, he pitched well last time, and we know he, he's been there, done that. So, you know, it, you, you hope that he builds off that last outing. Yeah, looking at the lineup for the Blue Jays and their careers against Jose Urquidy, Urquidy's given up four long balls to this Astro- to this Blue Jays lineup, including two to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, looking at the lineup, though, Dalton Varsho is a name that, that stands out. The Astros, in, in my opinion, the Astros should have gotten him in the offseason to, to fill that center field role. Uh, obviously him taking over in center field moves George Springer over to right and Whit Merrifield playing in left for Toronto. Just kind of talk about this lineup f- for the Astros and and kind of how you deal with it. Uh, yeah, Dalton Varsha was a name that we talked about on our Beyond the Diamond podcast a couple of times for Apollo Media. I mean, we he was a name that was very, very popular. Obviously, the Blue Jays got him. Um, I mean, when it comes to the Blue Jays are my pick, were my pick to play the Astros in the uh, ALCS this coming year so, or, or this year. So, um, yeah, you just got to keep the ball in the ballpark when it comes to, to going against the Blue Jays. So that's going to be the key for Urquidy. And, uh, I mean, dude, just the names. I mean, just like like the names that you just said, like Whit Merrifield, George Springer, and Dalton Varsho, like that's just three guys in this lineup, not to mention uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the rest of the guys. I mean, the, the Blue Jays are good, man. So it's going to be a good test tonight. Can they, you know, can they build off the offensive performance last night to tonight? That's going to be the key. When you look at at the Astros' schedule over the next, you know, week or so, they finish the series with Toronto tomorrow, and then they head to Atlanta for for a three game set with the Braves. That that series, Brian, I'm not going to lie to you. That series makes me nervous. Uh, yeah, it makes me nervous too. Uh, I think the Braves, if I'm not mistaken, don't the Braves outside of the Rays have one of the best records in baseball. Like, they're they're really good. 13-4 um, so far on pick. the year. What's that? 13-4 and four so far on the year. Yeah, so I think they're the second-best record outside of the Rays. Um, and, and if I, you know, like they're – so when I, when the 
when the season, right before the season started, I had the Braves and Astros in the World Series. Um, and the Braves are really, really, really good. And the way that this lineup is right now for the Astros, going into Atlanta to take on a red-hot Atlanta Braves, yeah, it, 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 uh, it's concerning. Um, but what we've seen over the last six, seven years in this golden age of baseball for the Astros, they've had injuries, then they, they've been able to play through those, and they always raise, the, raise their game when playing teams like the Blue Jays, like the Braves. So we'll see how it goes. You know, you brought up Ryland Bannon earlier, and, you know, obviously I, I cheer for any guy that puts on an Astros uniform, but you hear the name Ryland, and I just have to ask, was Ryan not good enough? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I sent this in our group text, you know, uh, like five minutes before we came on air, and uh, Ryland Bannon sounds like a bull rider name to me. I, I I don't know, like maybe Ryan and maybe it was, I don't know, man. Maybe oh, it's, yeah, it's, Ryan wasn't good enough. Clearly, I, I I don't know, dude. It's just kind of kind of different. I root for him, but I just feel like next up on on Red Rock, Ryland Bannon, woo! And and, and not a very tall guy either, at five foot eight. Uh, no, not 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 the tallest of the bunch. Uh, but he's I think he's what twenty number twenty eight prospect, number thirty something like that. My my close. Yeah, he he he's up there. He he's in the top thirty for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, good. I mean, good for him to to uh, to get the call up and and uh, hopefully get some playing time. I do know that Dana Brown said, uh, yeah, he's number Ryland Bannon is the number thirty eight prospect. Thirty eight uh, okay. in the Astros. Thirty eight in the Astros organization. So good for him. Uh, that's a, it's going to be a special night for him. Hopefully, he gets into the game. Uh, get some playing time because it's going to be a short stint, according to the general manager of the Astros, Dana Brown, who said it, it could be a 10-day IL stint for Chaz McCormick. So I'm sure uh, Bannon will get an uh, option back to AAA. So good for that kid. Speaking of prospects, is there anybody outside of the obvious, you know, Force Whitley, Corey Lee, uh, things of that nature, is there anybody on the prospect list that you're looking at as a guy who could maybe get called up this year? Yeah, uh, Justin Durden. Uh, is the name that everyone loved in AAA. He hit the hell out of the baseball uh, for the Astros. And he is, what, let's see, I think he's like the number eight prospect for the Astros right now, and he's, he's lighting it up for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Uh, he was mentioned uh, that he could be brought up uh, with Chaz going on the IL. But since it's only going to be a 10-day stint, they said, no, we're going to keep him down and get him all the playing time that he needs. He's a guy uh, that I would love to see get brought up at some point. Obviously, what's the latest on Pedro Leon? We haven't really heard his name because he's been injured. I think he had sports hernia surgery, so he didn't really do a lot in spring training. That's another name to watch. And then, like you said, uh, Corey Lee and Forrest Whitley. I'll tell you what, man, if Luis Garcia struggles in another outing, Dana Brown told us in our uh, interview with him last week on Sports Talk 790, that they're not going to hesitate to bring up Forrest Whitley. And if there's some kind of opening in the rotation, they will bring up Whitley to fill that role. So if Luis Garcia can't really figure out over the next couple of uh, outings for him, which I, I trust that he will, but if for some reason he doesn't, look out for Forrest Whitley to make his Major League debut. And, and you know, bef- before we wrap up, we're talking about prospects, and I'm looking at the prospect rankings and the future of the Astros outfield. 
is incredibly bright. With Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, Ryan Clifford, Justin Durden, like you mentioned, and then you look at a guy like Kyle Tucker, who's only 26, 27. I mean, he still has a lot of gas left in the tank. Yeah, Kyle Tucker's locked up, I think, uh, until like 2027. So they still got a couple more years with him, maybe 2026, somewhere around there. The kid that I'm really interested in is, is uh, Drew Gilbert. That kid's electric. And Daniel Brown also talked about him during spring training, that he could be fast-tracked through the system to uh, to be called up. I mean, I, I wouldn't say this year, obviously, but uh, in the next year or two, he's one of the names that I can't wait to see at the big league level. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 joining us here on Crunch Time for To The Moon Tuesdays. Brian, appreciate you as always. Uh, sorry I hurt your feelings this morning. And uh, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Sounds good, man. Look, I just, I just, I just wanted to talk ball with you guys, you know. I, but you didn't want me. But hey, I came in, I knocked it out of the park. So, uh, you know, just keep me, keep me uh, available for next week if you, if you don't mind. As always, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Y'all enjoy it. And there he goes, Brian Lalima of Apollo H O U and Sports Talk Seven Ninety. Can you believe the man said we didn't want him? That couldn't be further from the truth. Look, I was just, we've had Brian the last two weeks. I was trying to mix it up, give Dez a chance. But, you know, look, next time, I, I just, I, I, I won't try to, to be nice and spread the wealth. <laughs> but anyways, we'll take a time out. We'll wrap up Tuesday's edition of Crunch Time right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash, not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. Join our rewards club to score opportunities to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. Once again, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up today's show, just a couple more minutes to go. Story just coming in with the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo did not practice today. He is listed as doubtful for game two tomorrow night against I just drew a big blank. Who are the Bucks playing? Miami. Thank you. I literally world shut down for a second. Um, That's why it's such an intriguing matchup because Hero has the broken Hero, hand, right? And then Giannis has the injured back. So what does what does that do to the Bucks without Giannis? Oof. You have to put a lot more emphasis on Drew Holiday having to put up more production offensively. You need Brooke Lopez to try and knock down some more shots. Chris Middleton to take up. Watching more, more offense. Watching Drew Holiday have the success that he has had in Milwaukee. It frustrates you, I bet. Hurts. It hurts. Because you wanted it to happen in New Orleans, but it just it didn't work out. He goes to, he went through to Milwaukee. He went through stretches where he was 
great. And then you would go through 10, 15 games where you were like, where the hell's Drew been? What's he doing? He just stands there in a corner and does nothing. And then he'll have, you know, five games where he flashes. And I just feel like he's flashing and you're getting the best of Drew Holiday more often in Milwaukee than you were in New Orleans. Well, that's because Drew kind of had to be more of the guy. He had to be the guy offensively and defensively. Whereas in Milwaukee, Giannis is the guy. Then it's Chris Middleton. And then it's Drew. So having Drew be the third guy, it makes it so much easier for him to be successful. Cajuns and Tigers, who wins tonight? I'm going to take LSU. I think it's going to be a close game, like two to three runs. I think we could see it being like a 9-7 ball game, 9-6. This man's, but got, I'm t- this man's got high scoring. I'm taking the Tigers. This man's got high scoring. couple bases stolen. Not the greatest pitching duel tonight. So, look, this, I, this, would be a, this could be a good opportunity for the Cajuns to get out of a funk. I have seen this weeknight matchup one too many times. In, in in my days. You think it's going to be like 3-2, 4-2? Cajuns win 5-4. Oh. All right, then. Cajuns win 5-4. Okay. It, it it happens every once in a... It, probably every two years. Every once in a blue moon. The, the, the Cajuns steal a win in, in, in this game. Um, and, and there was one a couple years ago where the Cajuns just absolutely dominated them from start to finish. Won the game like 6-1. to one. Um, I don't think that's going to happen tonight, but... No, you're playing I, the number I could, one team. I, I could see the Cajuns getting a win tonight at Alex Box Stadium. I want to thank our guests, Mark Etheridge, Jim Gazzolo, and Brian Lalima. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow, 4-6 to six for Crunch Time, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's send it to Alex Box and the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair.